You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Last week, amazing. Who was here for, for Mark, my, our good friend Mark Estes? Listen, if you were not here, or if you haven't listened to it, I would really encourage you to go back. Uh, Mark spoke on living beyond yourself, and uh, actually just broke down... Um, one of the stories with Jesus, and it was just really an incredible, incredible challenge to all of us, and just a reminder of God's nature. So we're starting a series this week called Live Transformed. And so if you have been coming to church at all here for a while, or if you've watched us online for a while, you know, we've been following a, a few different kind of series, but we started with, in Easter, a series called All for Love. And the intention of that leading up to Easter Sunday, was, on my side, was to say, we need to unwrap the nature of God. This is why we're here. And so often in Christianity or, or, or any denomination of Christianity, sometimes the nature of God gets lost in our tradition, in our religion. And we have to be reminded, who is God? What does he think of us? Why are we here? What's the purpose of this God in heaven, this Father in heaven as it's described in the Bible? What is his nature towards us as humans? And so we had a series all for love leading up to Easter. And then my wife did an incredible job uh, challenging us, growing in our faith. She talked about um, Abraham and, and what it means to have faith in God, faith in what he has for us. And then, of course, Mark challenged us last week in, in talking about living beyond ourselves. And so there's this place where the nature of God loves us as he finds us. I, I love this line from the song. Absolutely true. But you know what else I love? And, I, you know, the, the song actually does a great job at this. So he loves me as he finds me, it sings, right? And then it says this, but he's too good to leave me there. You see, God does love you wherever you're at. Whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever life circumstance you are stuck in, God loves you right there, but he is too good to leave us there. And if you find yourself left there, then perhaps the possibility is you chose to stay. Perhaps the possibility is that we want God's love in our life, but we haven't moved to a place where we actually want to follow him. And so we're going to talk about what it means to live transformed because, you see, coming to Jesus, coming to God, understanding his love for us actually means that that love then changes who we are. And so I want to start from, uh, actually, we'll read in John 3.3. 3. And so, you know, just kind of to unwrap some language that has been in kind of non-denomination Christianity for a long time about what it means to be born again. So John 3.3. 3. Jesus is speaking, he says this to actually Nicodemus and some of the disciples. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so in Christianity for years, people have this language. They say, oh, are you born again? And pretty much, if you ask someone that today who doesn't know God, they're going to look at you just like Nicodemus looked at Jesus and was like, what are you talking about? And Nicodemus gets literal and he actually says, listen, how could someone go back into their mother's womb and be born again? That doesn't make any sense. 
And Jesus goes on to explain what he means when he says to be born again. And so I actually want to jump to Romans 12 to actually explain a little bit more. What does it mean when Jesus challenges us, in a sense, in our lives to be born again? And so let's jump to to, uh, Romans 12. We're going to read this scripture together. It's in your notes. Verse 2, it says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you, will, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Okay. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. As we read through the New Testament, as you read Paul's letters, he often refers back to this idea of becoming a new per- person and becoming a, a new creation, it, it says at times. And it really comes from Jesus challenging Nicodemus in this moment in John 3, where he says, you have to be born again. And the point here, and the point in in Romans is this, we actually have to become something new. Become something actually new. So I put in your notes, what does it mean to be transformed? Or I put the definition of transformed. So if you look up in, you know, scriptures from Romans 12, and you looked at the Greek trans, you know, the word transform, the word in Greek is this, which a lot of our English understanding of science comes from Greek, Latin language, and this is the word, metamorpho. We know this, right? Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, sorry. It's when a caterpillar goes into its cocoon, and it stays in there a while, and what does it come out? A bigger caterpillar? No, it comes out something completely different. It changes what it was into something new. And it's the same word that Paul's writing here as he says, be transformed or let God transform you. That we're actually supposed to go from something we were to something else. And so when we come to Jesus, when we come to God, when we, when we kind of accept his grace in our life and we understand his nature and, and that he loves us as he finds us, we also have to take another step to say, okay, God, I don't want to stay the same. Because listen to this. If we stay the same, you might make it in the door, but that's really not what God has for you. You might make it across the starting line, But I think he really wants to get us to the finish line. And too often in Christianity, we focus so drastically on a salvation experience or or saying a certain prayer that means you receive the grace that God has for you. But we forget that now God wants to take you and make you new. Now, what I love about God making us new is it's not really new. (laughs) It's actually making us what we were always designed to be, but what the world changed. You see, there was a design that God has for humanity, a design that God has for each and every one of us. Since the beginning of time, we see a glimpse of it in Genesis 1 and 2, this this world without sin, in this world where there's this relationship with God, where they walk together and they work together, and there's relationship with each other, and it doesn't sound broken. It's They're just you know kind of put into this garden, into this place where they have relationship, and it's going well. 
Now, we don't really know the time length that happens in Genesis there. But then we know things kind of go awry in Genesis 3, and sin comes in the world. Separation comes into the world between God and man. And the issue from then till now is that we're all kind of broken. We're all actually, you know, in a way, not what we're designed to be. And so when God says, or when Jesus says this, to be born again, he's basically saying, I want you to become and be born into what you were always meant to be. I want you to be transformed into a new creation, a new person. And so God wants to actually come into our lives, love us wherever we're at, and this is what's great about him. He lets us take as long as we need. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I I can't change. I've tried it over and over. That's okay. He's willing to try again. Even when we're not. He loves us right there when we stumble and fall over and over and over. How many of you have lived there? I have. Sometimes I'm still living there. But God's always there ready to say, hey, you want to do something new today? Want me to change that in your life? You see, the way I've experienced is sometimes God seems to focus on something in me. And something maybe even happens in my life where I feel this failure or I fall on my face and know I'm living or doing something in a way I shouldn't be. And God kind of puts his finger on me and then he allows me to process through a change. You see, metamorphosis doesn't happen in a moment. It's a time thing. Actually, in the King James Version, or the New King James Version of this, it says, do not be conformed, but be transformed. And when it says be transformed, it literally has the connotation of a length of time. That there's a process to it. And so listen, coming to church and singing one song, or saying one prayer, or coming to one church service and lifting your hands and surrender, isn't going to change you completely. It might be a step in the right direction, but guess what? There's a lot more steps to take after that. There's a lot of places that God wants to lead us to be transformed. And so I want to read today and talk about what is it going to look like to be transformed people, to live in a transformed way. Paul, I love Romans 12. He lays it out for us. We're going to read the whole thing together in a few minutes. But I want to give you a couple of steps before we do that. What is it? How do we actually take a step to live transformed? Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, just kind of to go along with this, says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, I think sometimes what happens is that we just keep remembering the old creation. We keep remembering, or even maybe we have lies in our head that will tell us, you can't change, you're never going to be different, you're never going to be good enough. And sometimes we listen to them so much that we believe them, and we actually take steps backwards. And Jesus is saying, hey, just come this way, and we end up going, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not needed. I'm not worthy. I don't belong. And we believe lies that lead us backwards. Now, what's incredible is Jesus keeps going one step in front of us, You know, as we take a step backwards, I think he takes a step towards us. No, no, come this way. He takes a step towards us. No, 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 you're going the wrong way. Come this way. Because his goodness does not leave us. 
His nature is to come after us. Now, at the end of the day, I think we can still reject him. But I always think he's just right there waiting for us to put our hand down. Just come on, just come my way. Come this direction. And I think he's pleading that with us in our lives today. Even as followers of Christ, I mean, I always jokingly, we always say these words, followers of Christ, yet we don't follow well. In fact, as Americans, we pride ourselves in not following the rules. Right? Don't let me talk about masks. Don't let me talk about whatever things that you don't like to follow. I, me, I hate to follow the speed limit. I think it's dumb. Like 55, I'm like, come on, we can all drive a little faster than this and still be safe. Now, I know statistics prove me wrong, but I think we could drive faster than this. So I don't like the speed limit. I don't want to follow it. And it's the same case in Christianity. Jesus put speed limit signs in our life, and we're just like, I don't like that one. I don't want to follow that one. And so we become kind of partial followers of Jesus, and then when our life still crumbles and breaks and fractures, we're like, what's up with Jesus? And he's probably like, what's up with you? You're not following me the way I'm telling you to. You're not doing the things that it looks like to be transformed. And Paul writes a bunch out here, but it's awesome. So step one, to live transformed, it's in your notes, change what and who we follow. Romans 12.2, we'll go back to it, says this, do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world. You see, Paul's referencing the fact that the people are copying what the world is like instead of copying what Jesus is like. And, I, and I've said this many times, if your life only looks different because you get up on Sunday morning to go to church, then we're doing something wrong. Because our lives shouldn't look exactly like everyone else's. We're not supposed to copy the behaviors and customs of this world. And sometimes those are challenging things. In today's world, the world wants us all to think a very certain way about what's happening in the United States right now. They want us to even, you know, I'm just going to go there. They want us to celebrate a man convicted of murder. And listen, I'm not going to judge on what took place in the situation. The truth is, I think what happened with Derek Chauvin and George Floyd was horrendous. As I watched that video the first time, I thought to myself, he doesn't know what he's doing. And some callousness had happened inside this man that he couldn't even see the cause that was going to happen. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a cop. And I'm not black. I don't have anything to say to any of it. But what the world wants us to do right now is to celebrate a man's life destroyed. Just like they would want us to celebrate a man's life even in the guy who, who was killed. It's not our job to celebrate that. In fact, my heart breaks for all of them. The man who was killed in the situation in, in, in what easily is an unjust way, and the man who did the killing, God's heart breaks for both. And that's what it means. Don't copy the behaviors and customs. 
Don't copy how everyone looks at the situation, how everyone acts towards the situation. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. You see, our lives should actually look confusing to the world when they see us. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you saying this? Why aren't you standing up in this way? Why aren't you standing down in this way? And, and often my answers to that thing is, I don't think Jesus would. That's why I make the decisions I make when it comes to politics, the current news, the issues. I look and I go, how would Jesus act in this situation? And I'm not saying I always get it right, but that's who I follow. I don't follow the news. I might hear it. I might even listen, but I don't follow it. And so Paul is admonishing him, these people in that day. Now listen, we always think our culture is so much worse than anybody else is right now. Listen, this is in the middle of Roman tyranny over the Jewish people. They understand what, it, what it's like to have an, a bad situation. And he's saying, don't follow the customs and behaviors of this world. And even for the Jews, there were, there were some that were zealots, right? They were trying to overthrow the Roman government. I don't think, well, he didn't. Jesus didn't join them. Even though they were literally being killed in an actual, literal way, on the streets at times, by the Roman government, held under tyranny, Jesus doesn't join a movement to overthrow them. He says, eh, pay them their taxes. Give to Caesars what's Caesars. And he says, give to God what's God's. He was talking about us. We're not called to copy the behaviors and customs of this world. We're called to copy the behaviors and customs of Christ. And so Paul's admonishing the people. And so the first step in us living transformed, we have to stop living like the world does. We've got to stop copying their behaviors and their customs. That's a long list. What are some behaviors and customs in your life that are maybe causing you to follow something other than Jesus? Maybe it's a news network. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's a friend. What behaviors are you doing that make you look just like the rest of the world? And what is God calling us to live differently than that? So we have to choose, who are we going to be followers of? And we say that, you know, Christians meant, I always hesitate to say I'm Christian because of the connotation that now comes with that. And I, I try to use different terms, like, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, or I'm a follower of Christ. But even Christian just meant little Christ. That was the term. It was meant that when they looked at a person who acted and behaved like Jesus, he was a Christian. She was a Christian. And the, the same term goes, I want to follow the ways of Jesus. I want to follow the ways of Christ. So when I do something that doesn't line up with that, I have to realize, oh, I made a mistake and now I'm following the behaviors and customs of this world, not the behaviors and customs of Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, who and what are we following today? Who and what is God asking you to maybe stop following? That's step one. Change who and what we follow. Luke 9, 61, 62. This is 
Jesus actually calling um, a disciple to follow him. And it's one of the ones who didn't do it. You know, there's a few stories, you know, in, G- in the Gospels where Jesus actually invites someone to be his disciple, and they kind of make a half excuse about following him. And in this one instance, we're going to read it. It's, actually, I'll go to the story. I have it in your notes, but Luke 9, 61-62. So it says this. He said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Now listen, this sounds a little harsh. I'll just let you understand what's, what's happening here in the context. His dad wasn't actually dead. Okay? But in their culture, as the, probably the oldest son in the home, he had to take care of the home until his father had passed. And then he would be allowed to do what he wanted to do. And so it was a cultural thing. No, I'm not supposed to leave my home while my dad is in this place, until he dies. And so, and even though that sounds somewhat legitimate, Jesus is like, no. And actually, he says it. He goes, but Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. He calls him out. Even something in, the, in this side of family, and he says, no. This is what I'm calling you to. Are you going to follow me, or are you going to follow your customs? Because the custom was, no, i got to stay there. And Jesus says, no, I want you to follow me now. And then another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. So someone pipes up. But first let me say goodbye to my family. So this guy takes another step. He's like, well, I'll go, but I need to go and say goodbye at least. And Jesus, being just so sweet and wonderful and understanding, says, but Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Basically, come now or don't come at all. Like, Jesus, come on. You know, we always preach Jesus is so understanding and and wonderful. and, and And listen, it's all true. But he's trying to make a contrasted moment to this culture. And he's saying, listen, pretty much, and this is core of Christianity. It's Jesus' way or no way. Like, if you can't get over that, guess what? Christianity ain't for you. It really is. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is one way into this whole situation. And it's to follow the ways of Jesus. And so he's kind of using this harsh and hyperbolistic language to make them understand, listen, stop making excuses in your life for not following me. Either do it or don't do it. It's this challenge. Who and what are we going to follow? Who and what are we going to follow? We've received God's love. We've understood his nature. We've received his grace. But he doesn't want to leave us at the starting line of Christianity. He doesn't want to leave us in the place of just getting in the door. He wants to say, are you going to follow me and be my disciple now? I actually even think there's possibly a place where we can reject the mission of God and the following of Jesus in his mission and still get into heaven and be saved. But I think we might be fairly disappointed. You see, we think heaven's going to be, we look at heaven as this oddly, like, 
futuristically, you know, perfect place. But the truth, and, and it, it's going to be perfect. I'm not trying to downplay it. But the truth is there's life after death. There's not existence after death. So let me, let me try to break that so you understand. There's life after death. It means that there's purpose and living and working and accomplishing after death. You see, Jesus, we look at Genesis 1 and 2 and we see a glimpse of the original design, which was that God had purpose, plans, and work for us on this earth. So when he comes to bring heaven back, when he comes to restore the heavens and the earth, and we all go to heaven, you know, however you want to describe that moment when Jesus has returned and everything is restored, there's now a new life after that. There's work for you to do. There's plans for you for an eternity. I can't wrap my mind around it. And it's why every day that I make choices to follow Jesus that are hard now make me realize that my 70, 80, maybe 90 years on this earth is really incomparable to when that somehow determines my eternity. I don't want to stand before Jesus and be like, man, I had so many great plans for you, but you wouldn't do them on earth, so why am I going to give you great plans here? Now that sounds weird, but it's in the Bible. It's called the second judgment. We have a judgment of salvation with God, and then we have a judgment of our obedience to Christ, where Jesus says, did you do what I asked you to do? And I would hate to have to say, but it was just too hard, Jesus. And then our eternity is actually determined after that. What, how it looks for us in eternity. Now listen, it's all going to be wonderful, but I want it to be extra wonderful. I want it to be everything that I was designed to be. And I don't want to cop out and say, well, God, I don't want to follow you to that degree. I don't mind just the ticket in or the pass into salvation. God, I want to go everywhere you want me to go. I want to do everything you want me to do. And that's what Jesus is challenging, even this disciple moment in, in Luke, and that's what you know, Paul is writing, be transformed. Don't copy the customs and behaviors, but be transformed. Be something else. All right, step two to living transformed. This is how it actually happens. Let God change the way you think. Being transformed doesn't happen from the outside in. You cannot muster your willpower up to be something new. As much as I just put a whole bunch on us from the first part of this, a whole bunch where we have to choose and follow Jesus, as much as I did that, the truth is God has to change us. And it starts right here with the way we think. Our minds have to be transformed. Something has to change inside us for our outside actions to be different. You know, uh, one of my mentors long ago would always say this, action all, or, uh, thoughts always precede action. If you don't think it, you're not going to do it. So if you want to stop doing it, stop thinking about it. And the truth is, we win and lose most of the battles of our life up here. And Paul understood that, and he said, 
by changing the way you think. Be transformed by letting God change the way you think. How many of us struggle with the way we think? I think most of us do. You get up in the morning, you're thinking about what you got to wear, you're wondering if people are going to notice you wore the same pants as yesterday. You look in the mirror, you notice the gray hairs, things out of place, and we all get caught up in this world of wondering what the rest of the world is thinking about us. And we, we kind of live this constant battle within our minds of, of, of pleasing even ourselves or living in fear of failure or, or living in fear of what other people are going to think and wondering what my boss is going to say or wondering how my parents are going to react or wondering how my wife is going to be or my spouse is going to be in this situation. And so our lives are literally controlled by everything that is going on in our thoughts. And our actions come out of that. When we have fear of something, we act out of that fear. When we have hope in something, we act out of that hope. When we're upset and sad or depressed, we act out of that. So the war really begins here in our mind, and God says, let me transform you by changing the way you think. In the King James Version, it says, by the renewing of your mind. And renewing, again, it was a, it's a process. It's not an epiphany moment. It's not a snap your fingers and I no longer will have bad thoughts. It's not a come and sing a worship song or say a prayer and immediately everything that's in my mind will no longer be there. That's not supposed to be there. It's a practice. It's literally a practice. You know, we, we've had a a ministry here called Restoring the Foundations, and now we call it Restore. And the whole idea of this ministry is that God wants to restore who we were designed to be. And one of the whole sections of this ministry is just walking through kind of a counseling situation. It talks about ungodly beliefs. And when I went through it a long time ago, I actually thought, this is weird. And I didn't understand what was actually taking place. So we would pray prayers, and we identified even some thoughts in my mind that I believed about myself, stuff I would say to myself. And what the practice in, this, in our ministry is, is you exchange the ungodly belief for a godly belief. So you'd have to write something that's the opposite of what you believe about yourself that's ungodly, and you write something that's godly in how Jesus sees you. It's actually very hard to do. You usually need a friend to help you write that part. And so every time this thought would pop in my head, I would remember, because now I've identified it, that's not a godly belief about myself. I'd identify it, and then I would have to repeat the other thing. It was super awkward. And I, I, I was like, this, it's weird, it's awkward, I don't know if this is doing anything. But what happened was, over time, I literally created a discipline to identify when thoughts come into my mind that are not of God. And immediately, immediately, I exchange them. Or I throw them out. I literally, you, you can catch me talking to myself all the time. For real. It's embarrassing, it happens. At, at my desk, in my car, 
even around people, I will have something pop in my head, and I will go, what is that? I know that's not God. And I'll either pray right then to literally get that out of my head because I know that if I want to follow Jesus, this thing has to be in line with following Jesus too. I can't just muster up my actions. I can't just force myself to wake up, read my Bible, sing my, my songs, you know, lift my hands in worship, go to church on Sunday, go to small group when I'm supposed to. I can't just do religious activities and expect that it's going to change me completely. Now, it has an effect. But the first place that Paul writes and that Jesus talks about is in our minds. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. I think all of us, if we just took a moment, could identify ways that we think that we know are not from God. I'll tell you what, any, any way that puts you down about who you are, not from God. Jesus is not coming to you and saying, wow, you're really lame. Wow, you're really ugly. Just thought I'd tell you. Jesus, peace out. That's not him. You're really fat. You're really stupid. You're not good enough. No one likes you. How many of us have these thoughts? Come on. You look stupid in front of people. You don't sing well. You don't pray good enough. You don't know the scriptures good enough. I'm not good enough for this. I can't do that. It's like one of my pet peeves with my kids. I can't. Oh, yes, you can. And it's really not even about the thing they're doing. I hate that defeatist mindset that the enemy wants to have us live under. And when we capture those thoughts, I'm telling you, every one of those negative type things never is coming from God. Now, maybe the most negative thing he'll say to us is, stop doing that. But he doesn't drag us down to make us follow him. We have to learn to identify these things and say, God, change my mind. Change the way I think. If we want to live a transformed life, we have to let God into all of these thoughts, all of these places. We have to not ignore them. We have to not go down the, the trail of thoughts that lead us to bad places. We have to say, God, I don't like this thought pattern. I don't like this thought. I know this isn't from you. Come and take it from me. Give me a new thought. And that's where scriptures should come in. Jesus, what do you think about me? Read a scripture. There's plenty in there that speak to your value, to your worth, to who God sees you, sees in you, and what he sees in you. Change what and who we follow, and let God change the way you think. Philippians 4.8 says this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is what I always feel about my thoughts when I'm trying to identify if they're good or bad. If I'm not willing to say them out loud to someone else, probably not a good one. If I want nobody to know that I ever had that thought, probably not something that's from God. If I wouldn't want someone saying something to me that I'm thinking about myself, 
not from God. And so we have to identify them, and then we fix our thoughts. It literally means to cling to. That's what that fix word means. It means to hold tightly to something. And it says this, hold tightly your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You want to know what else hurts you in this process? What you do allow to come in externally. Feeling depressed? Put on that sad song. Play it over and over and over. I'm sure you'll feel happy by the end. Don't we do this? We like somehow literally find ourselves in a feeling and then we find what we need to make us feel worse. Upset about something? Find someone else who can commiserate with you. Let's work each other up to the point where the world is just, who cares anymore? Angry about something in the news? Call that friend who's angry too. You see, we do this thing and we actually allow this stuff back into our lives and we just become this cycle of thoughts that are not admirable, not pure, and not true. God, I struggle with my, my, my purity thoughts and, and having good thoughts, but I'm going to watch, you know, mature-rated movies. Jesus, I'm always so filled with fear, but man, I love that horror film. Give me another one so I'm just terrified to even go to my room by myself. There's a reality. Sometimes we're feeding the very things that keep us from living in a transformed way. And I'm not saying movies are bad and music is bad. I'm saying we have to understand what are we feeding in ourselves. What are we allowing to speak to us? And then what, that, what happens is this. Sometimes those things move from maybe in just an entertainment perspective to being something we now follow. So now we look for the next greatest grotesque horror movie because we just love them for some reason. We become followers of something else. You know, Spotify is great at it. Put on one song, and it's going to find every song that's just like that song. Are you sad? We're going to play sad music all day for you. Social media is literally designed this way. If you haven't watched the movie, it's kind of a documentary. Oh, I forgot the name. Someone help me. The Social Dilemma. This is for real. If you haven't watched this Social Dilemma, it's a, it's a movie about how social media works. Because if you don't understand that social media sells you, that's what this is. It's not free. They're selling you. And they learn you so deeply, computer algorithms, computer, literally artificial intelligence, computer algorithms, learn what you look at, what you like, what you click on, and what they do is feed you more. And it becomes this really myopic point of view of your world and your life, and so you become a follower because they just keep feeding it to you. This guy... This guy clicked on a Trump flag. Oh, man, we got some stuff for you. And it feeds it to you. 
This is for real. These things really exist in our world. Listen, I always say this. People that don't think they're followers or would say, oh, I, I don't follow anybody. Oh, yes, you do. You just have to identify who you're following. You have to identify what has captured your attention. If the minute you get off work, the first thing you do is hit Instagram. And then before you know it, you're three hours later on Instagram. Guess who's got a follower? And there's nothing like the 21st century in 2021 that vies for our attention. I mean, look at it everywhere you go. Everybody here, almost everybody probably has Netflix or some streaming service. So what's the first thing you see when you click on Netflix? There's either the continue watching or then it says, because you watched. It's identifying what you're like and now trying to draw you in more. Here's a movie you might like. Here's a TV series you might like. Here's a documentary you might like. Because you watched this, now we're going to give you everything that's like that. And so the world is constantly vying for us to follow them. And we have to be careful, literally, as Christians, but I would just say as humans, to not find ourselves just being blind followers of the world. Blind followers of whatever interests us. Instead, it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. We have to let God change the way we think. And I love it. It says this, let God change the way we think. Let him. A lot of times we just don't let him. We just don't let him do his work in us. Even if we're not consciously keeping him away, we're subconsciously crowding him out. Let God change the way, you're th way you think. Let's turn to Romans 12 together. So to finish up today, I really, I wanted to just read Romans 12 all together. Romans 2, Romans 12, 2 just kind of lays out these two big ideas. That we're supposed to follow something other than the, the behaviors and customs of this world. And we're supposed to let Jesus or the Father in heaven change the way we think. And then Paul really gets into some specifics that I think are still very true to us today. And I kind of want to end on this note. A challenge for everyone is, God, we want to be different than what the world is like. And the things that Paul lays out here, if we were to live like them, we would be different. So let's start with verse 2 again. Don't copy the behavior and, behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'm going to do a whole message on this. But that's a big if-then. If we stop following the behaviors and customs of this world, we let God change the way we think, it says then you will know God's will for you. Does anybody want to know God's will for their life? I think it's kind of a lifelong endeavor. But so often we can't get past the first if part, the transformation part, the part where we got to let God change how we think and who we're following. Because when we do that, then in the process, God will start to show us, this is what I have for you. 
This is what I've planned for you since the beginning of time. This is what I've designed for you. And it says his will for us is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to find that will. So let's move on. So here we are. Paul's going to lay it out for us. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Here we are. How to live transformed from Paul. This is what he says. Don't think you are better than you really are. (laughs) Great start. Don't think you are better than you really are. Don't we all do this? We just love comparisons. And so when we find someone who we feel is better than us and we can't compare to them, what we do in return is go find a whole bunch of other people we can say we're better than to make us feel better than we really are. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. There's nothing wrong with measuring our life. Now, what it doesn't say is, there's nothing wrong with measuring that person's faith. (laughs) He's talking about measuring yourself. But too often we spend time measuring everyone else. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with that as much as faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I love this whole part because what he's saying is, whatever God has given you, use it. Use it. I love what Aaron said this morning. You are worthy and you are needed in the body. Paul constantly admonishing the first century Christians of this. We're all a part of a body. We all have different parts to play. And if you have a part to play, if you have a gift, use it, whatever it is. And he just lists a few here. Verse 9, though, he goes on, he says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. If Christianity could just do that. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Strong language here. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. And what a struggle in the culture we live in today. And even as As Mark kind of talked about last week when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, and then he described who our neighbor was. Our neighbor is not the person who is like us and thinks like us. And so even this scripture, it's not just talking about honoring the people who are easy to honor. Honoring people who aren't, who don't look like us or think like us or act like us. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never Be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. This is what it looks like to live transformed. 
When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. (laughs) Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. (laughs) I always laugh at that one. I'm wondering what was happening in the day for him to write that. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I always think, I'm ordinary people. (laughs) And don't think you know it all. I haven't figured that one out yet. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Wow. We might have missed that as a country this year. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. There's a long description about that. But don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I think as Christians, as people who want to follow Christ, this is the kind of living we're supposed to be doing. And I think it's been a little bit too easy in our culture to just slide into the behaviors and customs of how everyone else is acting, especially in 2020, 2021. Politics causing such division. Race causing such division. Issues in our world that are causing just such division. And yet, here, he's, here Paul just says simple things. Do everything you can to live in peace with everyone. Imagine asking yourself that question. Have I done everything I can to live in peace with everyone? It's an easy no for me. No, I have not. But I want to. Because I want to live transformed. I want when people look at my life that they don't just think, oh, there's that guy who leads that church. Doesn't seem any different than the rest of us. I want them to wonder why we have hope in the middle of a world that doesn't. Or why we have joy in the midst of difficulty and, and, and difficult situations. Or, or why we love one another when really we're so different. You know, Jesus writes it in Luke. He says, what is it to love someone who's just like you? Even the pagans do that. And he just got done saying the same thing. Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who hurt you. Because Jesus calls us to look differently in this world. To be new people. Not to be just upgraded versions of our old selves. But to literally be transformed and become new. Why don't we stand this morning?
I just want to pray. I'm not even going to, I'm not really going to do some sort of response in the sense of let's put up our hands because this is what I'm going to say. If you're in this room, if you're watching online, you need to be transformed more. And if inside you just said, no, I don't, okay, you might be following someone else. Because as followers of Jesus, and you see this even in Paul's life as he writes his letters, he starts out by writing a letter and calling himself an apostle called of God. And then one of his last letters, he literally says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. It's like somehow as we even get closer and closer to Jesus, we just see deeper and deeper how broken we are. Now he fixes us and he puts us back together and he's transforming us. But really on this side of heaven, I'm not sure we're ever going to be fully transformed. But it doesn't mean we start, we keep walking that way. And so every one of us today watching in this room, I think we need to desire God transform me more. More than I was this morning, more than I was yesterday. God, transform me more in this year, no matter whether today is the first day that you say to yourself, I want to follow Jesus. I want to actually get in line and follow him. If that's your first day, God wants to do that in you. And if it's your 40th year, God wants to do it in you still. So I'm just going to pray, and this is what I'm going to ask. Could we lift our hands You know, as we do this, this is just a sign of surrender. It's a symbol saying, God, I want what you want. So right where you're at, lift your hands up. God, I just thank you for who you are. God, even just as we kind of do this symbol that says we surrender, God, that that is simply that. We want to surrender to our own ways, our own customs, our own behaviors. And God, we want to become followers of you. Jesus, whether it's the first time today or the thousandth time that we've asked you, God, we ask you, transform us. Let us become new beings, God. Let us become a new creation so that when the world looks at us, they see something new, not something old. God, so that when the world looks at us and has an expectation of what a Christian's gonna be like, that they'd be surprised because we would be new. Because we would be doing everything we can to live with everyone in peace, God. Because we would take these words seriously and say, God, transform us. Let us be different. So, Father, I just thank you today for every person in this room, every person online. God, we ask for your blessing over every family, every situation, God, every difficult place, God, that people are living. God, we ask for your provision to come in. God, that people would first, of course, understand your nature. They would understand your grace. They would understand that you meet us right where we're at, but, God, that you're too good to leave us there. So, Jesus, we receive just everything you have for us today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have a wonderful Sunday. If God's doing something in you, I just want to you know, always encourage you, tell someone, share what God's doing in your heart with someone, and have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week, and have a blessed day.